the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Jason Allen King. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast for the week of February 3rd, 2022. It's important to note that because it's another year. I don't know what I'm saying already, guys. I am your host, Jason Allen King. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I even wrote to a new year. Well, we've already had (laughs) an episode for this year, so pay no attention to me. Uh, Hey, what's happening, Brian? I already need help. Uh, The man behind the curtain... Brian Baltashevitz, how you doing over there, buddy? Hello, Jason. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm struggling. You can yeah. tell. You can tell. And I'm taking great delight in your struggle. <laughs> so this is good. At least I'm in a good mood about it. You yeah, know, it's true. You recognize your yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> know, it's now February and you're I'm, still. That's right. My eyes are pointing in different directions, man. Perfect. I don't know what's going on. 2022 has been all right so far, though. Don't you think? <laughs> no. Maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't yeah, have said that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been okay. It's, you know what? The last two years have started worse if I'm being perfectly honest. We should also mention that, uh, B's here with us. B's here. Intern B. Hey B. with us. She's, she's uh, on the ones and twos. as they She's say. on the ones and twos. <laughs> oh, I gotta start using that. That's good. Good work over there. So if there's any glitches, it's her fault. Can 100%. we just, right on her shoulders. Perfect. Thanks. Great to see you B. I, I like when I make bad jokes, B, she just looks at me. And then doesn't do anything. It's that thing that comedians love in a crowd when they don't laugh, but they acknowledge that you're there. That's always, that's always fun. Uh, so, Brian, I had this whole thing written out, and I have a full page written down here of uh, if anyone's been keeping track of the Joe Rogan saga. Yeah, a little bit. And I kind of want to scratch it all out and not talk about it. But I feel like people may want to know if we have an opinion on it. And yeah. It's such the problem with it. With it, and this is what I my, what I came to terms with is there's so much to talk about. It, it it deserves more than us just sort of kicking back and forth some some ideas about it. The only thing I will say is that it, is that there's more than one side to all these stories. There's usually more than two sides to all these stories. So, yes. for what it's worth, I've been reading articles about this, and I would say that. I'm not sure Joe Rogan is quite the big villain that everybody thinks he is when it comes to the vaccines. I know that's going to sound totally weird coming out of my face, but I actually don't think so. I've I've read some really good this one time where I feel like I'm kind of on my game about it and reading all the stuff and 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 that. Now I don't listen to, to the podcast that much, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan. So that's one of the other points of this is if you don't listen to his show regularly, kind of feel like your opinion is already uh, an uneducated opinion about him. Mm-hmm. If all yeah. you're getting are headlines and other people telling you what he's talking about, it's kind of not, it's a little unfair when it comes to vaccination specifically. I don't know. Yeah, I um, was also reading a podcast industry article earlier mm-hmm. today that was talking about how Spotify really has kind of done this to themselves mm-hmm. in that if it's our podcast, you know, if, yeah. it's, if it's the Brian and Jason show, like anybody would listen to that. <laughs> but if it was they that would. show and we started spotting stuff, the market would pretty much regulate that itself, right? Like people would listen or not listen or, Mm -hmm. you know, there would be some sort of very small sort of um, uh, consequence to us saying stupid stuff. Sure. Correct. 
But Spotify parked a dump truck full of money in front of Joe Rogan's house, and so now Spotify bears some of the responsibility for what they're allowing on their platform, right? Because Spotify is the only place you can get Joe Rogan's podcast. So hmm. it becomes a, a Spotify problem in addition to being just a Joe Rogan problem. Because they've invested so much money. This is, this is the right. Antonio Brown. People 100%. invest all this money in Antonio Brown. He yes. acts like a crazy person. They go, well, we have all this money invested in it. What right. do we do with him now kind of thing? Yes. Um, however, I mean, haven't we seen this a hundred times over when right before a show is like the thoughts and feelings on expressed during this show sure. do not reflect mm-hmm. us. Can't they just do that? And now Spotify's off the hook. Um, yeah, I don't know that they did that though. They I haven't. They're talking right. about doing it now. They're just right, like, right, right. Yeah, which is hysterical. Now, but the horse may be out of the barn. <laughs> right. <laughs> along with the ivermectin. Yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> uh, my issue more so, and especially with the articles I've read, is him having on all these crazy right-wing, like white supremacist, like really hard-hitting, just notorious people. I don't, I don't love the idea of giving those kinds of people platforms mm-hmm. uh, in good conscience. That's something I, I am more against that than I am any of the other shit he's talking about. But that's, uh, you know, it's probably a little different than what people think I was going to say about him. I, yeah. I think if anyone knows me, but that's, uh, that's a whole conversation, man. We don't want to get into that. I'd rather find out what you guys have built with your with your wood uh, wood shop downstairs. Anything you want to talk about with that? Yeah, we. Uh, so I just built, and this isn't exciting nor funny, but uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> I built a little produce bin for my wife. So we were looking for some place to put the pro, you know, the the apples and. <laughs> Do people call it produce still? Is yeah, that I think still, so. Is it okay? A produce. B? B- don't that that she did it. She just made the face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know fruits and vegetables. I yeah. guess that's produce. That would, I mean, yeah, I suppose the produce aisle. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, but anyway, a little uh, produce bin that actually we're going to finish this weekend. So we're going to put the stain on it this weekend. But yeah, okay. so I built one. So that's really it. <laughs> you wrote that's a produce been, bin. Listen, how much produce do you have? A, a surprising amount of produce. Okay, yeah, for just the two of us. It's, it's <laughs> Can you describe the bin? Like, is it a yeah? So it's a it's a it's a little three it's a three compartment sort of bin. Okay, it's made out of wood, as you might have guessed, <laughs> and it's kind of the back part is taller than the bottom part, so it kind of slopes downward. It's going to okay. be cool. All right, yeah, and it'll it'll uh, live on your countertop in the kitchen. It'll live on the kitchen countertop. We got a perfect place for it. Yeah. So you know which vegetables belong outside of the refrigeration, which ones belong in yeah. the refrigeration. Well, apples and onions and the okay. occasional banana. <laughs> the occasional banana. It's not a staple. You don't have a staple banana. No, I'm not a huge fan of the banana. Really? Yeah. Oh man, is it tubular shaped vegetables and fruits that you don't? Yeah, like? Yeah, I think that's pretty much. That's it. what it's it is. my own my own hangups about tubular shaped anything. <laughs> that doth protest too much. Uh, listen, now that we got everybody asleep, let's wake them up with our guests. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. <laughs> you know or what? I we... do have another 12 minutes on the produce bin. If you. Do you... If you... <laughs> Yes, if you want, uh, he'll sell those to you. So if you guys sure. want some produce, uh, I think it's Comedy Zone at Comedy Zone Podcast. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, without further ado, moving on, we will introduce our special guest for today. We'll have to wake him up as well. Uh, this is a very, very funny comedian and an excellent comedy producer. We've worked together on stage, off stage. He's a stand-up guy, and he has a bulletproof reputation. Um, for everyone listening out that work with this guy. Uh, uh, work with him, work for him. If you're a comedy venue, this is the guy. Or if you're any kind of venue that has uh, enter- any entertainment, call this guy. He will, not, he will not let you down. Uh, the Charleston Comedy Festival is coming up soon. He's going to be running a festival showcase for that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Keith D. 
Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. That was a that was a pretty sterling uh, introduction there. Thank you. <laughs> well, you got it, man. And I was wondering, do you have a need for a produce bin? Is that something that's here? <laughs> I, I love the I love the generic name. Just in case you told your wife, "Hey, I've got something for the apples," and she said, "No, I, I don't need an apple holder. You just said produce, <laughs> so you just you're casting a much bigger net." I love that. Yep. See that? Happy wife, happy life. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, it's Keith. It's good to see you, buddy. How, how are you? What? Just in general, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling. Uh, cautiously optimistic about the upcoming year. So feeling good, trying to make some moves to, uh, to make the most of it, man. Is it, isn't that how everyone is right now? Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. If optimistic at all, they're cautiously optimistic. You know, I had a, uh, I had a post in, um, December of 2019 and I thought I was so clever, uh, using the, the word 2020 with a double entendre. And I said on Facebook, because I had big, big plans, comedy plans for 2020. I said, I am busting into 2020 with a clear vision. Uh, that vision was not reality. That uh, 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 sudden change in March <laughs> canceled everything. Right. I want I want everyone to really have to own those uh, uh, those reminders. You know, it'd be like three yeah. weeks of COVID and we're going to be fine. Woohoo! Pew, pew. Yeah. No. Yeah, they didn't age well at all. <laughs> they did not. Uh, I kind of I mentioned that you're uh, you're out of Charleston that uh, you are officially in Charleston. Well, that's a good question. I like to tell people I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, because uh, that's a cool place to be from. But I'm, yeah. I'm not actually from Charleston. I'm from a little town just outside of Charleston called Monk's Corner, South Carolina. It's uh, it's not the same thing. I went out for lunch today. No, Charleston has two- this very. It's oh yeah, it's Charles way bougie. Historic and bougie. Yeah, that's right. Monk yeah. Corner doesn't have the same ring to it. No, I, I saw two grown men in work clothes riding on the same moped. <laughs> the guy in the back was holding a Bluetooth speaker for the driver to listen to. <laughs> I think that's on the Monk's Corner flag, I think. Isn't that? That's the picture. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My little country town. I love it though. I, I say, uh, so it's it's about forty five minutes from downtown Charleston. Okay, and well, I've I've been there. I've actually performed on a show with you there, and and I have to back you up. It was it was a cool place. I like the people. They uh, they treated me very well down there. So what's up, Monk's Corner? Yeah, you were at Dreamers Restaurant. That's one of my uh, all time favorite places to do comedy. Great venue. Great That's venue owners. One really of the cool. most fun times I've had before. A uh, question for you, Keith. Is uh, Monk? You said Monk's Corner, right? Is that yep. the name of the yeah. like that? Is it a town? A ci- it's not a city. It's a it's the uh, town of Monk's Corner. Okay. Yeah. In my head, Monk's Corner has one of those roadside barbecue places that's like made out of cinder blocks, and there's a 98-year-old <laughs> go- uh, guy in the back working the pit. Is that is there one of those places in Monk's Corner? So, uh, there's Yeah, there's a couple of them, but there's, uh, <laughs> the, the, the place you're thinking of isn't just barbecue, uh, but there is one. It's called Music Man. It actually burned burned down last year, oh, but it's it back did. open. Music Man Barbecue is that nice. one. And then there's Pappy's. Pappy's is a diner, so it's got oh, that man. combo menu, breakfast all day, and uh, steaks and burgers, and everything's fried. And, uh, yeah, that, that guy, he works in back of both of those, two different uh, oh, two different man. characters of exactly what you're describing. Nice. I'll be there in about four hours. Yeah. Come on. All right. <laughs> Pappy's. Who doesn't want to go to Pappy's? Good grief. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Uh, well, Keith, I'm glad to have you on here, buddy. I mean, you are you are a, a man who's in the know in the Monk's Corner and uh, that whole region down there. You seem to be really plugged in. 
Uh, I want people to know like a little bit about your background, where this came from. I know you, obviously you do stand up and you're a very, very funny guy, but you also are in the improv world. Uh, what came first? Where, where did this come from? Uh, well, the actually, uh, the first open mic I ever did was to try to encourage a friend of mine who uh, his name is Taylor. Um, he was really studying to be a comedian. I didn't have any idea what that meant or how you do that. My dog has just tangled up in my headphone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if there's ever a so most corner to, statement that I've heard, it's that's it right there. Well, my dog got tangled up in my, my, in my headphones. headphones. <laughs> <laughs> we, I got to I think I got to switch you back to my headphones. This is incre- incredible. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your uh, technical difficulty guy. Are we still together. We we are. You look like you're flying in a in a X wing fighter right now. Just if everyone yeah. can see him, nice. use the force. Use the force. <laughs> look like wedge. Yeah, yeah. wedge Antilles. That's right. Survived. I uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, but he's the only pilot made through all three uh, Star Wars. I, I know what I'm talking about. I, I I actually weighed in the balance the decision to leave my dog in this room or kick him out, and I thought he'll be fine. Leave him in. Uh, oh, we, we yeah. listen. We're fans of that. Put him on screen if you can. <laughs> he would love that. Actually, I think he's Let's coming anyway. Um, come on. In uh, in my head, he's a, he's a big old Honda. Nope. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Look at this. Who is this now? This is uh, this is Alvin. Alvin. Uh, Alvin. He's a Yorkie Terrier. Oh and, uh, man! Now he looks like he's flying the ship. This is amazing. This is a dream come Hey, Alvin. <laughs> huh? Yeah, he's a turkey. Um, <laughs> where were we? Where were How we? did I start? I went to an open mic at the Helium Comedy Club to try to encourage a friend of mine, and uh, my set was horrible. If anyone could hear it, they would uh, they would be, well, like everybody's first set. It was yeah. terrible, but uh, it was in Portland, Oregon, and I was a 50-year-old uh, straight white male, uh, first time on a comedy stage, and uh, you can imagine how well I related to uh, the folks in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, you're not their favorite out there, if I had to guess. No, uh, not their uh, not their demographic. <laughs> That's I uh, I switch I switched you back one more time. Is this working? Yeah, there you go. yeah, you sound right. You sound good, buddy. This is gonna be this is gonna be your worst podcast ever. <laughs> Listen, it's riveting <laughs> no, it, so far. I, I, I'm literally looking at a picture of of Brian's uh, produce thing. So I, I <laughs> listen. I'm I'm all in here. I am all in. Oh, man. So a year and a half later, I started taking classes at Theater 99 in uh, improv classes in Charleston, and I met Stan Shelby there. Stan Shelby was, I thought he was the instructor, and he's like, no, I'm a student too. And he was running an open mic across the street at um, Joe Pastas that used to be the uh, the mecca for comedy in, in Charleston. And uh, Joe I mean, Pastas? A little it's strong. like a, what, it's a kind of, it's, it's a restaurant with a venue in the back kind of thing? upstairs yeah upstairs venue and uh it was cool and uh I, I started going to the open mic with him and you know just the rest is history i took uh i took level one through four in improv that year and also started going to all the open mics i could and uh and just really loved it just really loved the community love so you're, you're 51 and you do a double dose of comedy for like the next year so that yeah wow yeah that's, uh, yeah, I mean, my, that's uh, a lot. I mean, I, you know, it's listen, I know it's 
we'll call it amateur just because that's where we all start, right? But that, that's, a, that's a lot of comedy. That's a, that's a bit of a lifestyle change, I have to assume. Because my lifestyle yeah. changed when I started doing comedy, and I was only doing stand-up. Doing both, I imagine, is, was a big hit. Yeah, it was a it was a big hit, but it wasn't a big hit with my wife. It was a it was a bit much. Yeah. So I uh, well, you and, didn't and say I, ex-wife, so that's good. <laughs> that's right. I had to uh, I had to start thinking about how I could uh, how I could do this because you know the the road comic uh, probably wasn't going to happen for me. Um, mm. at, you know, but married man, you don't get to just all of a sudden tell your wife of twenty six years that you're uh, you're going to hit the road and be a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I tried to start thinking about how I could do comedy and stay in town and do it as much as I wanted. And that's when I started producing shows. Well, listen, so we have a lot, you know, I like to think anyway, a lot of comedians who, who comment and, and we provide good information, I think, a lot of times in the show. And you, are, I think, are tapping into something that we that comes up every once in a while. And that is, you know, different aspirations within comedy, right? Not like you said, yeah. you were just weren't able to travel the road, and that didn't mean you could have got burned out or whatever it was. So you solved the problem for yourself by starting to develop these shows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame my wife for not letting me travel. I really, it wasn't appealing to me, and um, and I had a full time job that you know we all know how much comedians uh, make in their first five years, and so it wasn't yeah. going to replace my job. Um, so it was really kind of, how can I do this and be home at, uh, you know, 11 o'clock at night, uh, in my own bed and, and still, you know, make, make money and, uh, and entertain people, have a good time. So that's why I started asking myself how to do that. Started an open mic and a show and, uh, I hate running open mics. They're (laughs) terrible to run, but had a great show. You know, Um, people, I think would listen on, (laughs) listen to podcasts like this. Everyone shits on open mics. Everyone says you should never go do them. They're soul crushing. Now I got people say that they hate doing. Why do open mics exist? Why are they even? Yeah. Nobody. The audience doesn't uh, want to be there. No. <laughs> it's this that thing. is a great question. It's like why do warts exist? Nobody wants them. They're honest. <laughs> like, why do we have? Why do these things exist? But it, you, we all had to do them at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually started what I thought was a great one. It was a Friday night. I had a crowd. I usually had about 40 audience members Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning. And then about eight (laughs) comics in, we would lose all 40 of them. And uh, it would just be a nightmare. I I got to where I hated it. I tried to be creative. I tried to make it a booked mic. I tried to play games. I tried to put writing exercises in. But I just uh, it just sucked this life right out of me. I hated it. Yeah, that they will do that, and I, and you know, all all sort of joking aside, it, that's exactly what happens. And maybe this is the reason. This is the this is the flame that brings the mo- and I'm going to sound like such an asshole right now. <laughs> this is the flame that's going to bring you know all of them off the, the those open micers to those to those rooms, and and that's where they stay. You know, because I'm not I I'm shitting on open mics, but I do I do understand the necessity of them. But also, I do think it keeps people. Some people there and out of other rooms. <laughs> that is some cynical <laughs> shit. I'm hearing it. Well, I know, and I, but I'm still saying it. But you know what? It's uh, here's a, I, I just sort of realized this over the last two years. Um, not all comedians really aspire for anything more than the open mic or the local uh, Mexican restaurant backroom showcase. Uh, and they really just are having fun. 
hanging with their friends, telling stupid jokes that, you know, that it sometimes are inside jokes that no audience would ever get. Sure. But it's their, it's their recreation. It's their fun. It's uh it's not even a hobby. It's their hangout and, uh, and they're cool just being right there. You, you feel sure. like sometimes you want to tell them, you know, how to fix their set and how to have better writing discipline and how to do more. And they're like, dude, I don't even care. This is yeah. cool with me. I'm, I'm happy right here on Monday night, getting drunk, laughing with my friends, telling stupid jokes, getting far four minutes on the stage, high-fiving and going out and smoking pot in the parking lot. There you go. <laughs> now you, you called it. It's, it's almost hard to criticize that, but I can do it. Uh, <laughs> but no, good. Hey, you know what? You're right. Good for them. If that's your social world, then I, I agree. My only, my only sort of thing I will say that is then stay there. Don't go, don't get in the way of other, of other people and other things that people are doing. That would be my only sort of caveat to, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a social thing for a lot of people and good for them. I, you know, I want everyone to be happy. Just get out of my way. <laughs> I know it might be shitty, but that's that's sort of my my thing. So now, how many how many rooms do you have right now? How many like you you've div- you went from doing these open mics into creating these rooms? How many do you have? Right now, I have two rooms that I'm doing. Um, I just left one that uh, my third one that was in Park Circle. Uh, that was a every other weekend show, and that was a good room. But uh, uh, we're we're not doing shows there anymore. Um, but so I've got the one in Monk's Corner, which is Dreamer's Restaurant, and that's a Monday. And we actually have a T-shirt because it sells out every show, and it's every two weeks. And we have a T-shirt that the owners put together that says, uh, yeah, it's Monday in Monk's Corner at a bowling alley, and uh, you have arrived. Um, <laughs> so, uh, But that, that's a hot show. You know. I mean, I that do. sells out, and it is, it is a flame-hot crowd. I have, I have trained them how to be a good audience, and they are yeah. grateful for it. They, they know it's going to be a good show, and uh, I probably get 60 to 70% um, regulars every show. And then I have a, a new venue in Somerville. It's a brand-new little black box theater called Old Trolley Theater, oh, wow. and we're doing uh, Saturday shows there, two shows, 80 seats each, and, uh, and so far they've both sold out. We started with Sean Patton and Caitlin Cook. This weekend we have Sean Jones and Hillary Begley, yeah. So if you're if your name is Sean, um, you can headline the show. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, but we'll take a break here in just a minute. But I can tell the the Dreamer show. It's like you said is is you're selling out every time you do this, and this isn't thirty people. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what the number, but that's a, that is a jammed pack crowd. Like it is, and they are they're thrilled to be there. Nothing's off limits. Like you could be filthy, you could be, and not that I am. Like you know, but it's like. It's just they're hot for for comedy. They don't they don't care. They want a good time. They really are. It doesn't. If you look at it, I mean, everything about every comedian tells me. I drove up. I'm like, oh my god, where am I at? In Monk's Corner, bowling alley. And you walk in, and it's mostly a senior crowd. It's pretty older folks. And right up front is my friends, the Wallenbackers. They're all uh, 65 and up, and they've not missed a show. And uh, and I have to tell every comedian, I'm like, dude, don't be afraid. This is not Bible class. Go yeah. in there and do your stuff. <laughs> they're here for you. They've been to every show. They know what they're getting into. Trust it. Go on. It's it's I sell close to 80 tickets and then the owner's table has eight people every time. So it's uh awesome. it's 85, 90 people every show. Yeah. So you have two you have two two rooms that are about 80 uh 80 seats each. 
80 plus. Yeah. That's uh, that's fantastic, man. And I know how hard that is. And when we come, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to know, like, uh, you know, are you are you wanting to do more rooms? And what do you tell a venue that wants to to get into doing producing uh, comedy shows at their at their place? So we'll do that when we come back. Uh, if you guys want to know more about uh, Keith, book him or or get his uh, uh, him to produce shows at your venue. Uh, go to goodlaughscomedy.com. Uh, or keithdcomedy.com. Uh, you can find a uh, schedule of shows, comedy clips, pictures, information about Keith. Also, don't forget, this week at the Comedy Zone tonight uh, is Funny on the Fly, uh, which is a fantastic uh, show. Don't miss that, which is uh, the brainchild of one Brian Baltashevitz. And this weekend, Adele Givens will be headlining Friday through Sunday, so don't miss that. As always, cltcomedyzone.com for a full schedule, and we'll be right back. <laughs> There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome back, everyone, to the Comedy Zone podcast. We're having a great time talking with uh, Keith D uh, about uh, his stand-up and, and producing uh, comedy shows. And, and when, when we were sort of uh, went to break there, we were to, I wanted to know if you had other venues that you wanted to uh, to bring your your comedy brand to. And also, and I think it's important to preface this by saying not just comedy clubs produce comedy, obviously. And I think that those those venues are are as important as comedy clubs because it's just, we just want to get to live rooms. We want to get to perform live comedy, and and those are important for a lot of us who who don't get into every comedy club. Uh, so give give us your thoughts on that. What do you what do you tell venues? You know, for them to be successful, how do you how do you you know approach them? Well, so so there's a there's a few things that are just a must. But before I even talk to a venue, I go and I kind of look at it myself. And I, everywhere I go to eat, you probably do this too. Everywhere I go, I look around and think, hmm, could could I do a comedy <laughs> show here? And uh, it's true. Actually. I look honestly, I look at like where the doors in and out are. Where would I set up a ticket taking spot? Where's the bar? Uh, you know, how close is it to the stage? Where are the bathrooms, the bathrooms in relation yep. to the stage? Are the bathrooms right next to the stage? Um, and then when it's physically laid out, like I think a good show would flow. Uh, and then I go talk to the owners and I, I will only do a show if the owner is excited about comedy. A lot of venue owners treat comedy like the karaoke guy or the, the acoustic guitar guy. They, they really don't care. You're just there providing entertainment. I, first thing I tell them is every TV has to be off no matter what. Uh, every and again, chair, and, and, and this is a. And as we're talking ahead. about this, I do want to jump in because these are things that I think the average person pro- just don't pay attention to, or they think that's common sense because it's not. Turning the TVs off is huge. Oh yeah, ridiculous absolutely. to say it out loud. But go on, sorry. No, I mean you're absolutely right, and I see a lot of uh, a lot of first time bookers and young people that are just trying to get stage time, are actually just so grateful that a venue will let them do comedy that they just tolerate whatever. I've seen pictures of some of my favorite comedians 
standing underneath a 55 inch flat screen. That's got a football game on it <laughs> while they have a mic in their hand. Oh, and it's man. just, it's not a show. No. I'm only doing comedy. If it's a show, uh, I'm only producing comedy if it's a show. So the other part of that is everyone in the room has to be there for comedy. A lot of venue owners don't want to charge their regulars and they want to make sure their regulars, you know, are, are catered to, and that's fine, but you got to make sure that your regulars are there for comedy. Cause if your regulars are there to talk or play pool or watch the game, then there's no reason for you to do comedy, hire acoustic guitar player and uh, you know, let them do background noise. Comedy is not background noise. It's the show. Yeah. So, uh, and, and so far all the venue owners I've worked with have felt the same way and have subscribed to that. That, Boy, I've been to a lot of shows and you have too, where that is not the case. Absolutely. And, and again, some of this stuff does sound like it would be common sense, but hearing you say that, cause obviously you've talked to more, you know, talked to more of these owners than I certainly have. I know at the, because of what I, my day job is, how difficult it is to produce these shows. So, so good for you for having the, this, this sort of checklist of things that need to be done. And, and as a comedian, I mean, you're a comedian as well. I'm grateful that these are the things, these are the things so anyone who wants to produce a show, anyone who owns a venue, I mean, your, your uh, pedigree of success for the different shows that you've done uh, speaks for itself. So these, these are, these are numbers, you know, one, two, and three. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, and, and again, like the idea that charging for a show, this has been an ongoing thing. I've talked to half of the comedy zone a number of times about, he said, don't do these free shows. Don't do free shows because then no one cares. No one is invested in what they're there to see. And therefore you're just setting yourself up for failure for the comedians. Uh, so I like the idea that you charge for all of your shows. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, even if it's five bucks, as long as they've paid to be in there and they, they are there for the show, they're ticket holders. Yeah. And, uh, and I did learn one little thing early on. Um, when you, when a room switches to comedy night and they start telling everybody they have to leave if they don't have a ticket, um, early on, I was like, all right, all you drunk people that have been here at happy hour for two and a half hours, if you want to stay, you know, I can sell you tickets for 10 bucks. Don't invite those people to stay. <laughs> they, you're, you're, you're letting them pay 10 bucks to continue doing exactly what they've been doing, uh. drinking and talking. Um, so I, I quit inviting those people to stay. I just say, have a good night. Uh, next show is in two weeks. Wow. Yeah. That, that's great. You, you've learned your lesson there a couple times with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. You're right. People just want to spend money to, they're already spending 12 bucks on drinks half the time. What's another 10 bucks? Oh, absolutely. And then honestly, they really feel like they just paid to keep doing what they're doing. They're, they're now entitled. And I've had them show me their wristband and be like, dude, I paid to be in here. I'm yeah. like, okay, I learned a lesson there. You, Yikes. I'm not doing that. And, and here's the thing. This is the bottom line for me. You said it about my show. My audiences say it too. If it's a great show, comedians tell other comedians about it. They want to come do the show mm -hmm. and audiences come back. And for the venue owner, that's exactly what you want. Because I can sell out a show. I can sell out a show yeah. or I can make it a miserable show. And, you know, you're going to get the same 22 stragglers that come into your bar all the time. But you want to introduce new people to, to your venue. You want people to have a good time, come back, uh, and you want a great show, then do the basics that make it a great show. And I will not, uh, you know, I, I will not 
do a show that I don't feel like can be great. Yeah. Um, do you ever show uh, show the owners kind of metrics after after you're doing shows, or is it just a pretty simple conversation as far as listen? Yeah, I'm selling out each week. Here's how much tickets are. Here's how much you're selling. You know, alcohol, blah blah blah. So I, I I typically do two things. Number one, I send them to my Eventbrite ticket page, and I tell them to click on past events and look at the shows that I've done. But what I always do is invite them to a show. Uh, so this place I'm doing now at Old Trolley Theater in Somerville, I told that guy, hey, I got a show coming up at Dreamers in Monk's Corner on this date. Come see the show. Come see what I'm talking about. And uh, and you'll see the difference. And so uh, I've got a theater in West Ashley. I invited him to my place in Park Circle to watch a show. So if you can get them in there to watch a show and really see what they're going to get, um, then they get it. Then they understand. Yeah. And so I always do that. I always invite them to watch the show. Any kind of venue that uh, you just don't go for? Any venues outside of you know the owner not being enthusiastic? Is there like you know I don't know corner dive bar or something? I don't know. I don't mind a, a, a dive bar. As, uh, what I don't, I, I always look at the physical layout. Uh, mm -hmm. I want every. I don't want a bad seat in the house. I want either yeah. like a section or a room or. Uh, I kind of like a rectangle or a square where uh, I don't like L-shaped rooms. I don't like mm -hmm. a huge bar that takes over most of the showroom. So it's more of a more of a physical layout for me. Yeah. Um, I don't want rooms that are too close to a room I'm already doing. Um, but in terms of like demographics or any of that kind of stuff, I really I don't care. Um, I can do a show anywhere, but it's just about venue owners that want comedy that are excited about it. Uh, we'll subscribe to the things we talked about. And then, um, if, you know, physically it, it's, it's good. Like if a parking lot, uh, if they're in one of those places where they got six cars, uh, spots because they're sharing parking lot or whatever, I can't flip two rooms of 80 people. So yeah. I'm looking at the physical logistics a lot. Interesting. Uh, that's, that's kind of, again, all very smart. Uh, do your shows normally run a, a three man show or do you do, um, kind of showcase shows, which is, you know, five, six, seven comics. I mean, what, where do you lean? Yeah. I'm, I most vast majority of my shows are traditional opener feature headliner. Um, and, uh, and I usually build a show around the headliner, whoever that is. Um, I've done a couple showcases. Um, not usually my thing, the Charleston, uh, comedy festival. Now that's a different story. That's going to be Friday and Saturday night, um, the Charleston Comedy Showcase. So in that case, our goal is to introduce all the Charleston comedians to the community. So they're all getting seven-minute sets, and I'll host, and I'll bring them up, and yeah. they'll do their best. And then I got some documentation to tell them all about who they are and where they can find them. So it's kind of like a buffet. But typically, I like a, uh, I like a traditional opener feature headliner type show. And I've always liked that, uh, that you, and this, uh, let me get to the point, I guess, is that I like that you, ha you're on your shows that, uh, that to me allows you, well, first of all, you're a funny comic and it allows you to control your show. And it's sort of like a Keith D presents sort of a thing, which I've always appreciated when someone takes ownership of that show. Uh, and, and you're the comics you bring in are usually people that you've worked with or admire. Do you, do you try, do you go a certain place looking for these folks? Usually now uh, I've, I've got a, a network of comedians that I've worked with that I'll, I get a lot of people that ask me if, uh, if they can do my show and I've never heard of them. 
Yeah. So then I go on Facebook and see who our mutual friends are. <laughs> um, but I'll ask around, I'll ask other comedians and, uh, and I've got comedians that I really trust. That'll tell me, you know, yeah, that's a great show or, you know, might be too this or that for your audience. Um, I don't know if he's a closer or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I look at the videos. Um, but I honestly, anymore, uh, and at the risk of sounding arrogant, I don't have to go look for comedians because I'm just overwhelmed with comedians that want um, to, to come do a show. You know, everybody's coming out of COVID. Nobody's booked. Everybody sees their friend getting booked at my show. And so they want to come do my show. I do think I want to go back to your first point about me being on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things. And I, I just realized the second one, but the first thing was, you know, as a com- comedian, we're kind of, we're all kind of narcissistic and, uh, you know, uh, that's why we're in the, in the spotlight. Uh, we like that. It's a first but, yes to that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I like to do my own shows, um, because I like to do them. I, I want my face and my name on them. But what I've found, honestly, uh, again, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I've created a personal connection with my regulars. I walk in to set up sound and 20% of the people in the room are like, Hey, Keith, how's Sandy? Hey, what's up, Keith? How was yeah. you? I saw your grandbaby pictures and, uh, and they're coming to see me and my show. They don't even know who the comedians are. Uh, they're coming to see what Keith's got going on this week. And it's a, become a personal touch, but also something they recognize and, and, and have faith in and, uh, and believe in and trust. And, uh, and so, they know I'm, you know, I'm a big hype man. You, you've seen me host. I, yeah. I get the audience pumped up. Absolutely, I like to get yeah. everybody fired up and have a good time. And I think, I think that helps. I think it matters it about the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, co- common themes throughout this podcast is the importance of the, uh, of the opener of the host of the show. Uh, now here's one, here's a curveball I'm going to throw you and, and maybe you're way ahead of me on this. Have you in, in the long-term goal, have you thought about your own space? Brick and mortar, Keith D's comedy club. <laughs> have I thought about it? How about have I ever stopped thinking about it? <laughs> there uh, it is. Yeah, I uh, man, I'll tell you. Before COVID, um, I really, really, really thought I would get a comedy club. Yeah? It's uh, it's a lot. It's really risky, and probably, and I and I, I've known several comedy club owners. Um, who have opened small clubs kind of on the scale that I would probably start with. Mm -hmm. And not one of them has said, Oh dude, this was such a great idea that I had. (laughs) You should totally do this. What they, what they always say is, man, you're killing it and you don't owe rent. You don't have an employee. Uh, You just do the show and sell the tickets and go. Um, But there is a consistency that I lack that I missed. It makes it harder to market harder to to kind of just be on a billboard you know mm-hmm. there's comedy here all the time so um covid kind of shook me a little bit i'm glad yeah. that i didn't pull the trigger and then you know have freaking doors closed for two years <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah if i i'll tell you this if i win the lottery um i'm gonna open a big old comedy club yeah there you um, go but well, I, it probably won't be this year yeah, I'm gonna say we we will we're gonna uh, that'll be a sidebar. We'll, we'll talk more about that because I, I find that to be uh, an exciting thing that uh, the the individual comedy club owner, from what I understand, is not. Uh, it, it's there's very few around, 
and I know a lot of comics who are disappointed in that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an exciting prospect to me to, to think about you owning a club. You know, I'll, I'll say this, uh, and I'll just be candid. I know that I would run a great comedy show at a comedy club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if financially I would be successful. And that's just because there's so many comedy clubs that have closed. And a lot of times they, they, um, they state the independent show producer is, is hurting them. Um, which is, you know, me and folks like me who are doing independent shows. Um, so I know it would be cool to have a comedy club. I got the whole physical layout all in my mind of how it would go. If I built it from the ground up, I've been in several rooms that I could love to buy and flip into a comedy club. Yeah. Financially, uh, it's it's scary. It's yeah, a little, sure. A little scary. I'm a little surprised that you say that in, an independent show would be would be uh, eating off their plate. Uh, if put it in those terms, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear that. But I I because maybe I don't see a, a ton of people like you as successful as you are, you know, doing that. But but again, you you've obviously done the research more than me. Uh, now well, there's now, a great. There's a great article, Dwight Simmons. I Googled him and I can't point you right to it, but I will after the show. Maybe we can, uh, well, I don't know if he wants that link in there or not, but <laughs> Dwight Simmons was complaining about the fact that um, two big comedy clubs in Indiana or Indianapolis have like uh, jurisdiction rules. Like if you do mine, you can't do theirs. If you do theirs, you can't do mine. Mm-hmm. But there was also in that, there was some article about uh, one of them closing a second room in Indianapolis. And in that article, it talked about how the independent comedy shows had really had an impact on the, the people that, that were coming. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it talked about a significant impact, which I was surprised. I'll find that article and share it with you. Yeah, I would love to read that. And, and I'm going to kind of go back a little bit on what I said, because one thing that I've been touting are these brewery shows, um, because, the, because their audience is already baked in. People, it's it, breweries have taken over for the 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 corner bar. Every neighborhood, especially in Pennsylvania, every neighborhood had a corner bar. They had that place that they all went to. They were relatively small compared to the breweries, but now breweries are are that place. So Friday and Saturday, they're going to be there anyway. Bring the entertainment to the place that they're going to be, and suddenly they've got this this baked in crowd already. So so i will go back a little bit and say you know what that that is some that's a phenomenon that i am seeing that i've heard about so so yeah maybe so i have a i have a different perspective on the uh on the on the brewery friday saturday night Ooh, all right if they're i'm I'm twisting my mustache this is exciting (laughs) i want to hear about it so physically breweries are typically laid out poorly for comedy unless they brought unless they built themselves a showroom (laughs) typically they're in like warehouses and Mm -hmm. old very hangar airplane hangar type spaces with, uh, you know, their manufacturing stuff. So there's noise, steam and water and air and stuff going on. There's fans. So typically they don't have a great showroom. Now, some of them are getting smart and they're building very nice tap rooms. But the other thing is on Friday and Saturday night, the people that go to breweries, they're going to talk and drink beer and chat with each other and Latin. They bring their kids and their dog (laughs) and they're playing cornhole and they're, they're really not interested in shutting up for a comedy show. The one brewery that I booked a show at and it was great, but I told the guy I need the whole room. And he said, well, we'll close at eight 30. We'll kick everybody out. And then they can turn around and come back in and show rules. Then apply no kids. uh, They gotta be quiet. And, And we were selling that out. But again, 
I don't want to go where you already have a crowd and then do comedy for them. Yeah. I want to bring a crowd that's there for comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can speak for a lot of comics who, who appreciate that for sure. Uh, now I want to get into some fun stuff before we get out of here. So a couple minutes here. Uh, what are your uh, pet peeves of uh, as a showrunner and as a comic? What are those things that just annoy the shit out of you, whether it's serious or just a pain in your neck that either comics do or that you experience on the business side? The my biggest my biggest heartache, and it really hurts me. Oh, is, man, you went right, <laughs> you went deep right off the bat. I uh, like it. What do you is, got? And honestly, it's going to sound silly, but it, and again, it's something that people don't think is a big deal. But when there's that one table of drunk people mm. that won't shut up, they get offended, they ultimately get hammered by the comedian for not shutting up, and then they big make a big scene and get the manager and involved and disrupt the show and ruin the show that just it just breaks my heart because yeah. in my mind we're like a we are a happiness manufacturing facility and you <laughs> just blew the engine and i i it just hurts me it hurts yeah. me so bad way more than it does uh the comedian or the other audience members but i hate that I hate it. I, I think it's because you know what could have been. That that's that yeah. is the thing that I a lot of people are like because uh, I'll I'll go to the comedy zone and I'll I'll listen to you know somebody do five shows, and that third show or fourth show, someone will go make a stink and the audience will be real chatty and I'm like y'all don't understand that this show's amazing. I've seen yeah. them all so far and you're you're messing it up. You're messing up this beautiful show with your with your bullshit. Yeah, that energy exchange is is so important. And then uh, just in terms of other shows, you know, the reason I started doing my own show is because of comedians or, you know, new bookers that would just book shows with horrible sound quality, horrible yeah. equipment, garbage, you know, TVs on. Uh, that kind of stuff drives me nuts. But that's that's old stuff. You know, I, and, and I'll support that because this is one of the things that really bothers uh, Hef. And I, am, I feel like I'm always putting words in Hef's mouth, but he's told me these things. So Hef, let me know if I'm, if I'm out of bounds on any of this stuff. But one of the things he had an issue with on some of these shows is if people go and see music at a corner bar or something and whoever the performer is eats shit and they're terrible, people don't then stop going to see music. But if they go to a comedy show and they eat shit or someone's gross and they and it and it's just a terrible show, that will affect those people whether or not they go see comedy more. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, for sure. That's something that's always stuck with me. It's like, no, every show's gotta be good because th there's more on the line. The stakes are a yeah. little higher for, for these other shows. Yeah, um, absolutely agree. I just started a <laughs> private gig that um the last guy before me was so bad that the lady was afraid to try comedy again. Man. And uh, a friend of hers had said, you should give Keith's show a try. Um, and we want him back, but she thought all comedy sucked all there the time. Yeah. 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 It's tough. That's tough stuff. Well, so we, we, we're going to get out of here. What, what can people, uh, uh, you know, where can they see you next? G give us, you got any, you got your schedule in front of you. What do you, what do you got coming up? I know we got the Charleston festival. I know we want to push that. Um, so the Charleston comedy festival, February 25th and 26th, I got, uh, Hillary Begley and Sean Jones coming to old trolley theater this That's Saturday. Great. And the show. first show. Great oh, show. Be killer. They're fantastic. First show sold out. The uh, nine o'clock show has, uh, has a few tickets, but they will be sold out. Don't come to the door 
uh, for that one. You need to buy tickets in advance yeah. at goodlaughscomedy.com. I am uh, I'm headlining some private gigs. Um, I'm trying to think of where I'm going. Uh, I'm headlining February 17th here in town at uh, at a at a place called Blues Wings. Uh, everything I said, I wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that is that's beautiful, man. That is just mwah. That, yeah. Everything that you just said, you're about to do that show. That's awesome. Yep, I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, you know, Dreamers in Monk's Corner every every other Monday, starting next Monday. Well, you know, in, following next Monday, um, J- uh, Roland J. Moore and uh, A.J. Wilkerson. Uh, I caught him on the road with some canceled shows, and he's nice. going to feature there. So I'm excited about that. That is fantastic. Keith, thanks for spending time with us here. Again, goodlaughscomedy.com, keithdcomedy.com. Oh, tell everybody your socials. How do, how do people find you and harass you on, online? Uh, well, it's the same thing. Good Laughs Comedy on Facebook, Keith D-E-E Comedy on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I'd love, to, uh, I'd love to talk to you if you're a comedian. Send me a video. Please don't send me a, a email that says you like to do my show and then ask me if I'd like to see a video. The answer is yes. Send the video <laughs> with the with the email. Always send the never ever don't send a video unless you've got, you know, five episodes of Conan that you've been on. Send the video every time. <laughs> there you go. See that? We're we're dropping gold nuggets here for, for you comics <laughs> out there. Uh Keith, you're great, man. I, I wish you all success, uh, both in stand up and all of these these shows you're producing, man. And and uh, uh I, I expect nothing less, man. You're you're doing a great job. So keep it up. Thank you, Jason and Brian. Thank you guys so much. And B, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Uh, Brian Baltashevitz, anything else we need to talk about, buddy? I will be at a, a Pappy's in Monk's Corner in about four hours. <laughs> yeah. Check me yes. out there. <laughs> yes. It's, 20, it's 24 hours, so take your time. Nice. I'll meet you there. Tell me when you're close. All nice. right. Uh, two things for me. Uh, if you guys want to see me, I'll be at Le- the Lake Gaston Comedy Zone uh, this Saturday on the 5th. And next week, I'm very excited. I'm going to be opening for Kenny Garcia at uh, Good Nights Comedy Club. Uh, the 9th through the 12th, and I think it's goodnightscomedy.com is where the tickets are. That's in Raleigh. Hey, you got, That's you in Raleigh. Get me on that, <laughs> you got to get me on that Lake Gaston show. I got people in Roanoke Rapids. I'll, I'll bring a crowd. All uh, right. Uh, all right. Yeah. I know a guy. I know a guy. We'll, we'll, we'll Perfect. be taken care of there. All right, everybody. Well, that, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget the Comedy Zone of Dell Givens Thursday through Sunday. And uh, I don't know, Jason L. King, be funny, be safe, and we'll see you all next week. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. 